before your, your people today. Not in my strength and my wisdom or my knowledge, God, but I stand here in the name of the Lord. God, I'm trusting in you today to deliver. I just thank you for this opportunity, God, and I just pray that the words I speak here today would not be of myself. And I pray that your word would be spoken and your people would hear your voice. God, my words can only go so far, but your words can impact an eternity. I just pray, God, your people would hear your voice. I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Church, how are we doing today? We're good? I want you guys to be honest with me. Don't lie. Don't say good. That's what I say. How are you really doing today? All right. I am not, if I'm being honest, I've been attacked this week spiritually, mentally, physically. I don't ever get sick. Yesterday I was sicker than a dog. Nikki Packer put that on me. I promise. She told me Friday I was going to get sick. It's on her. I don't ever get sick, but I was sick yesterday and I thought I was going to be sick today. The enemy was trying to strike fear into my heart. But at the same time, God kept me so close that I knew all these attacks were allowed by Him for a specific reason. God was showing me this week my message. I was living my message out. Because what the enemy was doing, he was speaking half-truths to me. He said, I'm not strong enough not wise enough, I'm not smart enough. He's right, I'm not. But I stand here in the strength of the Lord, in the wisdom of God, in the knowledge of God, and I'm not trusting in and of myself today. And I've had a great peace with that, and I've been so closely held throughout the way, and I have joy, and it runs over today. So, I don't know what week it was that Matt spoke, but if I'm being honest, I was not focused on his message because God was speaking to me. He was speaking to my heart. He was revealing things to me. I went and rewatched it, I promise. <laughs> rewatched it. But God gave me a word. And it's ironic because when I heard of people talk about getting these words of, I don't even know what you guys call them, you just call them words. I had unbelief in my heart. I was like, you people are kooky. That's weird. But God gave me a word nonetheless. And it was during that sermon, and then directly after the sermon, during our time of worship, Ashley Boker comes up to me and said, God gave you a word. And I'm like, you're insane, but you're right. <laughs> My word at face value is not a good word to get from God. We want to hear that we are conquerors and warriors, we're brave, bold, courageous. My word was coward. And so when you get coward, doubt starts flowing in because of pride. But the reality is that God gave me so much revelation through the word coward. And I just knew that's what this message had to be about. When I, and that was after I had already agreed to preach. And I already had like an outline of a sermon in my head and it was just flipped. I knew that's what I had to talk about. My word was coward in myself. 
I can't rely on my strength. I can't rely on being a good person to get me to heaven. I can't rely on my strength to stand here before you today. And you guys cannot either. You guys cannot rely on yourself. And during that time where God was speaking to me, He was giving me passages and scriptures to turn to and to think about. And it, it's really weird, but the passage that I was, was really laid on my heart was about David and Goliath. You see, as a kid, you hear these stories of David or this account of David and Goliath, and you think of this bold and courageous young man, and you're like, when you're a kid, you want to be like David and just bold. And as I got a little older and a little bit more sin crept in, I wanted to be like Goliath. And I wanted to be feared. I wanted to be massive. I wanted to be a warrior. And God answered that prayer for me, right? <laughs> Yeah. But when you actually read the account, you realize David wasn't bold. He wasn't courageous. He wasn't strong in and of himself. So today we're going to be reading out of 1 Samuel. This is 16. 1 Samuel 17. This is verse 16. It says, For 40 days... Every morning and every evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along. And bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. and The man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. So we get this picture of army against army for 40 days. And this mighty Goliath, it go, earlier it shows how big he is, how strong he is. I imagine he'd be like Kirk. A little bit bigger, a little bulkier. Um, not, probably not as mean as Kirk, though. But we, we see um, Goliath come out and give this taunt. Then we see the Israelites flee. They run away in fear and in fright, is what it says. I don't want you guys to be like the Israelites right here. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. I don't want you to be a coward in the sense that you were afraid. I want you to be a coward in the sense that you don't trust in yourself. All right? We can't trust in our strength, but God to carry us through. But we see the Israelite army, who is the army of God, running away in fright. And I'm afraid that we do that so easily today at things that are much smaller than the giant of Goliath. We make mountains out of molehills and we go and we flee and we cry and we go to God and we just think God doesn't have the power to give us victory over these things that are in our lives, whether it's in your marriage or whether it's your job, whatever it is, God is bigger. 
He is stronger. He will carry you through if you put your hope and trust in Him. And then it says, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyways that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? David saw Goliath as what he was. He was a man. Just a man. And he's defying the army of the living God. Not just that, he's defying the character of the living God. I'm sure he was saying that they were weak, that they were feeble, they weren't able to have victory over them, and that there's some truth to that. But it's the army of God that can never be stopped. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Elab, or I don't know how to say that, but heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Again, there is some truth to that. There's no way on earth David could have stopped him. There's not a chance that he could have had victory over Goliath. There's no earthly way. But our God is not of this earth. Our God is much stronger, much more powerful. We can't think of us as just these ants when we have the power of God at our side. But David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lion and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David trusted in the past that God had provided. And he's trusting him to provide in the future. Like John Spence said, God is unchanging. He provides and he rescues Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go on these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So he took off all of his worldly armor, all of his worldly protection, picked up a sling and some stones and a shepherd's staff. He didn't want the world's protection and attack. Goliath walked out toward David with a shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Goliath yelled. My mere dog, he was. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, 
but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You see, he didn't come with his sling and his staff and his stones. He came in the name of the Lord. His sling and stones would not have saved him on their own. It was God that delivered him. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied, today the Lord will conquer you. The Lord will conquer you, not David. The Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give your dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So the purpose behind all of this was so was God would be known throughout the whole world. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues His people, but not with sword and spear, this is the Lord's battle and He'll give you to us. So His purpose behind all of this was so God would be known in the world. He used something so small to defeat something so big, something so foolish, and He shamed the wise with that. And then He goes on and He says, the Lord rescues His people, but not with sword and spear. He wasn't talking about the sling and stone that He didn't come with. He was talking about earthly weapons. He doesn't rescue us with sword and spear, he rescues us and rescued us through the, the blood of Christ. That's how he rescues and rescued us, was through the shedding of Christ's blood. And this is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. And Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. God is unchanging. He rescues His people. We see the character and nature of God, and God gets the glory at the end of the day from this story. It's not David but God's glory that was important to not only David, but to God. It's about Him. If He puffs up David's chest, then no good can come from that. David was only a man, and it was to see God's glory. So I tell you this so that we realize our inability, our weakness, our meekness, and God's strength through it all. We can't rely on ourselves. We can't trust within ourselves, but we can trust in God to deliver us. So if you guys will flip with me or get on your phones to Romans 3, we're going to talk about our condition. Our condition as humans is not only of weakness, but of sin. Matt talked about being filthy rags before Christ. This is... Romans 3, verse 10, it says, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. 
For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. B.C., before Christ. Trevor, what was our word from Guatemala? But God, this is the best use of that in Scripture. Verse 21 says, But now God has shown us a way to be right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law and as was promised in the writings of Moses. In the prophets long ago, we were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, But it's not done yet. Christ didn't just give Himself, but He gives us His Holy Spirit. He's not done. Romans 8, verse 1 says, So now there is no condemnation, there is no punishment for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There's no condemnation, no judgment for those that belong to Christ. And I'm going to read all the way to verse 19. It says, The law of Moses was unable to save because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We couldn't do it on our own. So God did what the law could not do, and He sent His own Son in a body like we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. If you are in Christ, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even your body will die because of sin. The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit. Once we were dead, we were given new life. We're not filthy rags anymore. We're not dead anymore. We have life if you're in Christ. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You have no obligation. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves... Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. We're not born God's children. We are adopted into His sonship. It's a common misconception, especially in the United States. We want to all be children, but we're adopted. And there's responsibility that goes along with that. 
That means denying your flesh. You received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But, we are to share, but if we are to share His glory, we must also share in His suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. That was good. Christ changes everything. Our desires, our nature, our strength, it's all transformed by God and God alone. And to Him be the glory. God, I just pray today that if there's someone here that doesn't know You as Lord, would submit themselves to You, God. I just pray that we would know the life that we are given through the Holy Spirit, the strength and the love that we feel from knowing You, God. God, I just pray today that Your sheep would hear Your voice and they would go after You. God, I pray that our hearts today would be softened by Your Word. They would be transformed. God, I just pray that through the authority of Your Word, someone's heart would be changed and the trajectory of their future would be completely turned to You. God, I just thank You for all that You are. I thank You for all that You do for us. I thank You for Your Son that You gave for us and Your Holy Spirit that You give to us, God. I pray all this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.